it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Wednesday, September uh, 2nd, and I'm joined once again by Keandre Hope. Keandre, say what's up to everybody. Yo, 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 what's going on, man? Happy to be back, man. Appreciate you for having me back. Oh, yeah, bro. You know, we got to get you back in here. Keandre's got some fiery hot takes coming for y'all in the NFL as well as in basketball. That's why we need him on here to give us the good word. I want to say this real quick, guys, before we get going. I'm very, very nervous about this Rockets game seven. I really don't know what's going to happen tonight. So y'all pray for me that my blood pressure doesn't shoot through the roof during this game. I'm still all there afterwards. But let's go ahead and get down to it, man. Let's start out with the AFC West. Um Start things off with your boys in Denver, the Broncos. Their season win total set at seven and a half wins this year. They've got high hopes for Drew Locke this year. What are you thinking about the Broncos this season? Uh, <clears throat> I got high hopes just off the simple strength of, you know, I got family on that team. So I like them. To be realistic, I got them going nine wins. Um, I like them to, to steal a, a game or two. Um, I like them to steal one against Kansas City. Uh, earlier, um, I know that they play them early off. Um, I don't like them to steal one um, then, and then you know by the middle late season, depending on how uh, Kansas City kind of goes through their season and how how healthy they are, they might you know be back to contender form. But I like them to steal one early. That's why I got them at nine, man. I know they got them seven, which I see what teams they can knock off. But I'll give them two steals, man, for real. Maybe they might even steal one from Tampa. I don't know. Might see. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I could definitely see him stealing one from Tampa. I'm not heavy on Tampa. You know, I really think, though, that the fact the Broncos play in that altitude gives them a lot of benefits, and I think we'll see it benefit them the first games. I think they'll start out the gates winning that first game. Look, my my thing for this team is it's all going to come down to what Drew Locke can do for them. I like what I see on the defensive side, side of the football. I think losing Derek Wolf might hurt a little bit, but at the same time, you throw in there Jarrell Casey – He's be pretty damn good. And then you got Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. That might be the best combo of outside pass rushers. Then you add A.J. Boye in there. I mean, yeah, you lost Chris Harris Jr., but I think Boye will really see him step his play up, getting kind of that change of scenery that he has now in um, in Denver. Also, Bryce Callahan will be back too, which I think is big for him. But realistically, it's going to come down to offense. Like I said, Drew Locke, he had the worst quarterback. Um, he was the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league throwing inside 10 yards. Once you go after that, uh, 11 yards downfield, he was the worst in the NFL, and he was 22% on yards, um, throws 20 yards down the field, and also 53% of his pass yards came after the catch. Also, too, he's going to have Juwan James, their best offensive lineman, sitting out, and they have a rookie at center. So there are a couple question marks there. But I do like the move to bring in Melvin Gordon. I thought they absolutely killed the draft as well, bringing in Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. And, you know, those are dangerous guys to put in there with Sutton. They really do have one of the three best wide receiver combos in the league. So I really think it's going to come down to what the, what that um, they're able to do with the quarterback. You know, I think it's going to come down on his shoulders and how far he can take them. I agree. Um, Drew is – I think what sells me with Drew is that, like, regardless of, like, how inexperienced I think – he, he'll galvanize the team. I think the team bought, bought into him. Um, and if your team buys into you, like, you know what I'm saying, you feel a lot more comfortable, especially being a young quarterback. The first, last year, you could see, like, he's trying to win him over. He doesn't want to make mistakes. So, you know, of course, he was um, amazing under 10 yards. You know, check downs and here, nickel and dimes here and there. Like, you know, you want to, you don't want to turn the ball over. You don't want to lose your starting job. And so I like them to open up the playbook a lot more. Um, to allow him, I mean, he got threats, like you just said, uh, Hamler, Judy, you got to get them boys the ball. So 
I like them to open up the playbook a lot more. That's why <clears throat> I think that they could steal a couple because of just him growing into himself, um, him winning the team over. I think the team likes him. Um, and just just going with that, I think that he'll, he'll be all right. Um, they'll open up the playbook for him a little bit. Yeah, no, those are very valid points you make right there. You know, another thing, too, about – Drew Locke in this team is, like I said, you know, they got that home field advantage. They got the great defense. I mean, if they can just not turn the ball over, like you're saying, and keep it and take care of the ball, I mean, they have playmakers who can get make plays for them towards the end of the games. That's really, I think, what it's going to come down to is if Locke doesn't turn the ball over. I'm not going to lie. I'm not huge on Drew Locke this season. That's why I'm going under. I say they go 7-9 and nine this season. But, I mean, pretty much with this whole division, I think after Kansas City, all three of the teams in there are going to be about the same. There's just going to be a couple swing games in there, and it's really going to come down to what you do in the division. I mean, I think they'll all pretty much split. I think Kansas City might get knocked off, you know, like you were saying, a game or two inside the division. I mean, that's usually the teams you see beat these really good teams like Kansas City or those in division teams that have seen them a couple times you know know a little bit better how to beat them so i mean i've got denver sitting under right now at seven and nine but it's i mean it's going to be very close for sure i agree man no it's for real yeah no that's the that's the crazy thing in the nfl you know one these close games swing one or two different ways that's the difference between you being nine and seven and seven and nine that's the crazy part about it it's, and the other crazy thing is too the them the Broncos and the Ra- and the uh, so the Chargers Broncos and Raiders all have the same win total at seven and a half. We'll go to the Raiders next. We've got the Raiders sitting here at seven and a half. How do you think they'll end up doing this season? Terrible, um, okay. terrible. I think they're. Uh, I think it's hype right now, man. Um, it's Carr. I think Carr is the downfall. I think that they have a solid team. I don't think Carr is the quarterback for that team. Um, I truly believe Carr is a great backup. Um, and, and be there. He can win you a game if something crazy happens. He's not going to lose you the game, but he's not consistently going to win games for you. Um, they had that spurt, and that was, I feel like, his best chance before he got hurt um, when he was in MVP uh, talks. You know, he was doing great, and I feel like after that, it kind of, you know, he missed his window. And I think now um, they have a solid team. I'm not going to say it's the best team. They, they're building around. They got the new stadium. You know, they're they're a good team on on paper, but I don't think Carr. I think Carr's going to be the one that holds them back. Um, so I have them under at six wins, um, and that's six wins off of like talent and just playing playing good football. But I, I see them really under, and I think Carr is, is, is holding them back. I think so. Yeah, see, I actually do kind of agree with you on your analysis of Derek Carr. I thought you hit the nail on the head, to be honest with you. Carr really doesn't make the big plays down the field. He's very conservative. You know, I feel like he's like a he's like a top-of-the-line game manager rather than a guy who's going to come out there, you know, and try to make those plays to win the game for you. I feel like he's just very conservative. I think also losing Tyrell Williams is a big blow to them. I really like Henry Ruggs. I mean, they said they're going to try to use him out of the slot. Brian Edwards as well has looked really good in training camp, and he was a beast at South Carolina. Um, Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar, you know, they're going to have to make up for a lot of what they're missing out on. Zay Jones, so we'll see what we can get from those guys. I mean, I loved them before that they lost um, Tyrell Williams, but, I mean, we all know the NFL is about replacing injuries. I think Josh Jacobs might actually lead the NFL in rushing this year. That's I don't, I don't think it's a hot take. Oh, here. that's your real hot take. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, really – yeah, okay. Hey, before he went down last year, he was top five in the league in rushing. By the way, for those of y'all for fantasy, I know I said I'd give y'all a fantasy player or two to look out for on each team. I'd look for Josh Jacobs right there. Um, I think that he's going to run the ball. But I actually want to see what they do with Lynn Bowden Jr. He's a very interesting guy. Kentucky moved him from wide receiver to quarterback, and he just kind of pretty much ran the ball. He didn't really pass the ball much. He's just running read options and everything. He was the top 
rusher in the NCAA for yards per carry once he got promoted to running back. I think they have a stacked up offensive line, but honestly, I don't think the offense will be the main problem. I think it's going to be defensively, and I actually like what they did a lot on defense. They add Demarius Randall, Jeff Heath. They already have Jonathan Abram. They have LaMarcus Joyner out there in the secondary. Then you get Corey Littleton to come over from the Rams, play your middle linebacker. Max Crosby looks like he's getting better. Cleveland Farrell was hurt last year, so... You also drafted David Arnett. So, I mean, they're loaded up in that secondary, and I think they can fly around and make plays. The real question is, are they going to be able to get to the quarterback? Yeah, yeah that's a big play. Is, is Will you get to the quarterback? If not, it's in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble for real. Yeah, no, that's what I think it all comes down to really in the NFL is if you're able to get to the quarterback, you can make up for a lot of your sins if you're able to get in there and get sacks and whatnot. I actually really like the Raiders' outlook this next season. I have them at 8-8, eight and eight, and I think they're going to be a wild card team. So I have the Raiders going over that win total of 7.5. I know you said under, but I'm, I don't know, man. I really just like what Gruden's done with this team. I think Mayock really knows what he's doing. So I feel like in a COVID year that they're best suited to go ahead and get things going. They all spent the third most money in free agency, so that's another big thing too. They spent, yeah, they spent all that money, man. Gruden, uh, Gruden has never sold me on a coach, man. Gruden won that Super Bowl off of Tony Dungy, man. I feel like that you can't prove it to me. He's had opportunities to do so, and it has it hasn't worked. So I, I don't I don't believe he has the pieces to make that team that you just named with all those names a contender. He couldn't. I I don't see him doing that. Uh, I I truly believe he won that Super Bowl off of Tony Dungy's whole ordeal um and then tony went and of course he had peyton and, and took care of business in, in uh, indianapolis but now i i don't see gruden as a super bowl coach uh leading a, a team of non there's other than josh jacobs there's no real superstar on that team i, I don't i personally don't agree that there's a superstar so and i think a team for john needs to be at least a superstar on each side of the ball and look, Marcus Joyner could be one. Um, you know, you got playmakers on there, but I don't think there's a. I don't see anyone being afraid of that defense. Can they make plays? Yes, it's the NFL. Everybody's there, and you can make plays. But I don't see anybody being afraid. And I think with that, it's it's uh, it'll be tough, man. Even when he was there in uh, Oakland before, he had C. Wood on the you know on the defensive side. So you could depend on a, a defensive leader and, and and count on that. And Gruden doesn't have that. I don't think that's that's why I have him under because it'd be off of pure talent that they just make plays and win. But I don't think Gruden is going to coach them to eight wins. I, I really don't believe that. Hey, you know, I definitely understand that. That Dungy points he makes a very valid point. See, I think Gruden is more the offensive mastermind here. I think he has. Like, I definitely agree with you. There's no guy on the offense you look at outside of Jacobs and you're really, like, are wowed by. But I feel like a lot of these young guys, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. Like, I really think Henry Ruggs, if he's used correctly, can do a lot of big things for him. I mean, they still had a really good offense last year, and you got to remember Antonio Brown walked away from him before the season even started. And the fact they're able to replace right. that and do what they still did, that's a big plus to me. So, you know, like you said, there's a lot. Each each one of these teams, pretty much outside of the Chiefs, there's a lot of question marks. It's just going to pin on who's going to step up. I just feel like that Gruden and them are going to get everything worked out, and some of this young talent's going to come to. Because I mean, they have so much young talent on this team, so it's finally time, you know, to see who can play and who can't. I really think Lynn Bowden Jr. might be a big difference maker for him. Um, let's move over now to the Chargers, and I'll get things started off for us on this one. I have the Chargers finishing the season with seven wins. I could see eight and eight, even not. You know, they fall in that same category pretty much as the other teams. I actually kind of like, though, what the Chargers have done with their team this offseason. They came out. They made a bunch of big, big um, offseason signings, like getting uh, Harris Jr. over from your boys over in Denver. 
Um, on the D-line, they add uh, Linval Joseph, who was a top 15 run stopper in the league, who came over from the Vikings. So, you know, I think they've done a lot of teams to really bulk up this defense, and they had one of the worst. They had a turnover margin over 17 last year. Teams that turn the ball over have a turnover margin of minus 17 the year before. The following year, they add two wins onto what they did. So I think a lot of things are looking up for the Chargers, but it's going to come down to what Tyrod Taylor can do with them on offense. I mean, Keenan Allen's one of the best receivers in the league. Um Hunter Henry, one of the better tight ends. Mike Williams is a beast. Austin Eckler, we know what he can do catching the ball out of the backfield. I think they're kind of loaded up. The offensive line has some question marks for me on offense, but if they can really get things going on that uh, on that offensive side of the ball and get Tyrod Taylor moving the ball up and down the field, I think this Chargers team could surprise a lot of people and go a lot farther than we're expecting. Uh, I agree. Um, I have them at 8-8. Eight and eight. The What scares me is the quarterback play. Um, mm-hmm. how are you going to stick with Tyrod and give him a fair chance? Or is it going to be, you don't do good in two games. Now let's get this top, you know, pick of a quarterback. Let's get him in there, but you don't give Tyrod a, a fair chance. And I think that's what has me with them eight and eight or under um, because of the quarterback play. I don't know how they're going to handle that situation because you did, you know, you spent a high pick to get Herbert. Um, but then you also got Tyrod and today they just named Tyrod the starter. So, you know, just keeping that up, um, Mike Williams is a great talent, great combination with Keenan, but Mike Williams is injury-prone. Um, last year, I feel like that affected them because he wasn't 100% the whole year. Even in the games he played, I felt like he was never 100%. Um, and he was a fact. Even then, without being 100%, he was a factor. So him staying healthy, him being uh, someone that can be dependent upon, because you know they're going to, you know, spy on Keenan. I mean, that's just a given. Uh, I, I think that they could do great to a degree, given the division that they're in, they the same, they could steal a game. Um, and But I think what keeps me at either even or under um, is because of the quarterback play. I don't know how they're going to treat, you know, because if you, you the talks, every, you know, player hears the talks. If there's talks, Tyrod could lose his job. He has to do better. He does bad one game and it's continuing to talk. But when you bring Herbert in and when that's, I feel like it's going to mess the chemistry up, especially when you know, like, you you spend a high pick on a quarterback. So mm-hmm. that quarterback play is going to really determine how far they go, I believe, yeah. Yeah, I think you completely hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's really going to come down to how they start off. You know, like you said, they start off bad. It's going to create all kinds of tension in the locker room with that quarterback thing. You look, I personally think Herbert can't play. I was never impressed with him in college. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to be that much better in the NFL. It's kind of the same thing with Sam Darnold. I was never impressed with him in college. I don't know how he's going to be that much better in the NFL. So, I think if that if that they're able to get things rolling this season with Tyrod Taylor, I personally think that they'll have a good season, like you said, you know, go eight and eight or something like that. But they mess around, struggle out the gate. We're probably going to see Justin Herbert thrown in there, and I mean, I really don't like the outlook with that. Um, fantasy player wise, that I would draft on your team is Austin Eckler. I think he's can't miss. Tyrod Taylor really doesn't throw the ball down the field that much. I think he'll dump it off a lot to Eckler, and I think Eckler will see the ball a ton. I mean, the Chargers aren't Anthony Lynn already like using him. Also, though. Anthony Lynn and Tyrod Taylor were together for t- Taylor's best seasons when he was in Buffalo. So I think that's another plus that makes me honestly think a little bit higher of the Chargers. Then at the same time, like I was getting back to that defensive side of the ball, they can really get to the passer, man. You got jo- jo- Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram coming off the edges, not to mention they threw um, Kenneth Murray in there as a rookie. Then possibly one of the best two-corner combo in the league with Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. and your number three corner is going to be Desmond King, who can play as well. The only thing that it scares me with that secondary a little bit is losing Derwin James for the second year in a row. You know, he's a massive difference maker. Not having him back there really changes things. 
Yep, I agree. I, I totally forgot that he was down. The defense is pretty solid, like on all phases. Like you, 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 you get to the pass rusher, or you get to the uh, passer, and then you got Chris Harris as a vet back there, and uh, really can make things uh, hectic for the receivers. So I agree that they're they're an eight and eight solid team. That quarterback play is really what's going to determine how far they go. Who can put points on the board? That's what they really need. Because like you said, Tyrod doesn't go down the field as much. You don't have to put points on the board. So. That quarterback play is really going to be the key for him. Yeah, and Tyrod's not really going to turn the ball over either in the same hand. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of positives to having Tyrod out there. Um, Let's move now to the last team in the AFC West, and that is your Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. You want to get things going with them for us? Man, Kansas City is going to go as far as the general managers allow them to. (laughs) i I feel like they have a team to where they have all the pieces that they need. Um, they just added the guy from LSU, right? Um, yeah, five, five. Yeah, so they added him, and I feel like that GM is doing a great job of just, like you said, it's all about replacement in the NFL. And, and if they can replace, they keep the quarterback. They got Andy and um, Pat you know, pretty much tenured together for the rest of their, you know, at least for the rest of Andy's career. So you got the coach-quarterback combo. Granted, it's hard to win back-to-back and, you know, not saying they're going to win four or five Super Bowls, but I like them, you know, doing really well. Obviously, the best team in the AFC, um, defending Super Bowl champs. But I got them at 11 wins, um, 11, 10 to 11 wins just off of, uh, like, I think teams may figure out how to control Pat Mahomes, not to stop him, but to control him. And make him into a game, like make the defense, make the opposing defense into a game management. No big plays, uh, play in front of us, and you know, and let's play football. So I, I, I like them at ten or eleven wins over, um, and that's that's where I have them at. But they're they're good as the GM kind of keeps them together. Like keep Kelsey, you keep Tyreek, you keep that offense, and then you just gradually build on your defense. Uh, you'll be back in the playoffs every year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even when they had Alex Smith in there, they were still making the playoffs every year. They just couldn't really get past the first or second round. Um, I honestly love them bringing in Edwards Hilaire. He's one of the best catching backs in college football. He can definitely spread out wide. I definitely think it hurts a little bit, though, that Damian Williams chose to opt out of the season. But when I look at this defensive unit, when they're healthy, they're actually one of the better defenses in the league. Spagnola got them all the way from the 25th best defense all the way to the 14th, and that was just in one year of working with them. I really like their secondary. They'll get Breland back after four games because he's suspended. But, I mean, Tyron Matthew... Um, all the speed that they run around with back there. I mean, Daniel Sorensen, they run around back there. I feel like they just fly around in that backfield with so much speed and create extra turnovers. And then when they have Anthony Hitchens and Chris Jones on the field, this defense is pretty much unstoppable, not to mention you've got Okafor and Clark coming off the edge. So there's a lot to like there on defense. And look, Keandre, this might be a little bit of a hot take here, but I really think Patrick Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of the NFL, and that's exactly what we're watching right here. I think I think Patrick Mahomes will he's going to be better than Brady when it's all said and done. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, have you seen anybody who can make the plays like he does? Uh, no, um, but I can't say that he would be the Michael Jordan because I would have to see Pat Mahomes do more with as little as Brady has had. That's all. Like that's why I put Brady and I'm a Peyton Manning diehard fan. Peyton had Marvin Harrison for years. Um, Brady had what Randy for one year and they led the league in touchdowns like I really like Brady's done so much with 
you know, so little. Not to say that the players on his team what weren't Gronk, amazing. Though? That's probably the best tight end to play the game. Right, but how many championships they got together? Two? No, Brady they got Gronk two championships together? I think they have three or four together. I think three. Might be three. I know Brady got at least two or three before Gronk. And, and who was there then? Hey, I don't know. I don't know who was there before then. To Wait, I was just – I couldn't put him at – you have Gronk. Pat Mahomes got the cheetah. He got Kelsey. He who else? He got he got the arm. He got all this athletic ability. Brady had pocket presence and let I'm going to beat you on the field X's and O's. Um, so I I give it to him if he keeps winning. Obviously numbers don't lie. So if he keeps winning and getting Super Bowls, that's great. But until he gets six, the same thing they say about Jordan, man. You got to get at least six before you get talking about that Jordan conversation. But he is the He's the new wave of quarterback, man. He is the new wave. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. He's the new wave. Hey, let's put it this way. Just give him a little bit more time, I promise, and you'll you'll agree with me here soon. <laughs> um, all, overall, though, for Kansas City, I've got them over 11.5 wins. I think they'll win 12 to 13 games this season, and even if they were to only win 11 games, I would still have no worries about probably picking them to win the Super Bowl this year. I haven't 100% made my mind up. i got a little bit more time, but I'm probably taking Kansas City to win the Super Bowl, but – um, also, with for fantasy wise, I just said this, but I would take Mahomes, I would take Hill, I mean Kelsey, Edwards, Hilaire, I would take any of those guys in your fantasy football leagues. Even Harrison Bucker, in my opinion, he's he's the best fantasy kicker just because of how many points they score and how much that offense goes up and down the field. So I like all those guys for fantasy. But before we move to NBA, we got to rank these teams in the division one through four. Who you got finishing fourth in this division? Raiders at four. The Chargers at three, Denver at two, KC at one. Okay. Yep. Okay. Raiders. Yeah, I got Raiders last. Um, and it's a real toss up between that two and three spot, um, depending on quarterback play. But I, I, I got to rock with Denver, man. I got him at least two, and I'm under one up. See, I'm a little different from you, actually. I have so obviously we both have Kansas City at one. I'm going with the Broncos at four. I just can't buy into Drew Locke right now. Don't get me wrong, though. If Locke is as good as everyone's putting the stock in, I'll be very wrong about them. But I'm I've got them at four. I'm gonna go with the Chargers at three and the Raiders at two. I don't know, man. There's I like I'm a big Ooh, guy Raiders personally. at two. I think Gruden's gonna put everyone to shame and take the Raiders into the playoffs. I actually have the Raiders in making the playoffs as a wild card. So. Hey, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be one of the most fun divisions in the NFL to watch. I mean, the AFC and the NFC West are both extremely stacked, so keep an eye out for what's going on the West Coast. Um, let's get things moving over here, though, to a little NBA talk now, as we've had lots of thing, big things happen in the playoffs since I talked about it last on this podcast. And um, let's go ahead and start things out with Game 7 we watched last night. Um, what, what was your biggest takeaway from Game 7? Uh, I knew it was going to be low scoring. Um, I, I don't expect teams to, or, or players to go off for 50. You're not supposed to. I've been playing you for six games in a row. It's time to lock in and, and play some defense. So I didn't expect it to be high scoring. You, you tired. You can see it in the game. They were tired. Um, you've been playing for a while. So it, it went how I expected it to be um, back and forth. Um, I did think that the Jazz, I felt like they lost it in that uh, second quarter um, when they, you know, they kind of went down. And I'm like, okay, this is this is probably be the game going into halftime, and then the third quarter it was just they couldn't find that spark. And then you know, Spider came alive. Uh, Donovan he he did his thing in the end, brought him back. So it went just like I thought it would go. Um, 
I just think that the Jazz are missing one piece. Uh, Rudy showed me great talent in that last seven, five to seven minute stretch that they had at the end of the game, and he was getting hand ones and Euro stepping, and he he was really doing his thing. But um, they need that consistently for him, um, from him to even you know go further in the playoffs. If he's doing this in game one or two, you know, that series might not, they're up 3-1. Like, you just, you, you, you lost it at 3-1, and it's, it's kind of like, man, you know, you're disappointed, but, you know, the better team came out. I think Denver was resilient. Jokic, uh, he came back, you know, he did his thing. So, I, I think that game went the way it was supposed to go, but shout out to both of them, you know, going, you know, back-to-back 50 games, you know, they was battling it out, man. So, it, it went, I think that series, uh, was it went the way it was supposed to go. Yeah, you know, I picked the Nuggets to win the series before it started, so what I thought would happen ended up happening. I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect it to happen the way it did, though, just like you. I really think the break and play kind of screwed the Jazz over in this scenario. I felt like they had all the momentum and everything when they were up three games to one, and I think it gave Denver new life, and they were able to get back in there, Gary Harris, and actually... I'm not going to lie, even though Gary Harris was one for nine shooting the ball, I thought he was a difference maker. I feel like he really frustrated Clarkson. And also, too, I don't know if Clarkson's ever seen a shot that he didn't like. He was one for five from three, four for nine from the field. It feels like every single time he gets in the game, he's looking to chuck shots up as quick as he possibly can and get as many shots in there as he can. Um, You know, I really thought, though, actually that Joker – stepped up and had the big game. I mean, he took 23 shots. That's very uncharacteristic for him. Had 14 rebounds, 30 points, though. I mean, that to me, I felt like, you know, he's a big passer. He only had four assists. It was kind of like he said, okay, I'm going to take this game over. I mean, Rudy Gobert is the former Defensive Player of the Year. The fact that he went to work like that against him in the paint says a lot about Jokic. And ultimately, you know, I thought the Nuggets finally found their defense, though. They had had the worst defense in the bubble the last few games. They held Utah to to under 100 and then barely break it 100. So I thought that was a big, like, kind of turning things over for them. And I think a lot of that was getting back Gary Harris. But when you look at the Jazz for the flip side, I mean, like you said, you know, Donovan Mitchell needs some help, man. Rudy Gobert stepped up, but 2 for 13 from Conley, 3 for 10 from Ingles, 4 for 9 from Clarkson. You know, it's not – they just really didn't have any production from that bench at all. And then to go along with that, I mean, it really felt like Mitchell can only do so much. He still had a plus 3, plus minus when he was on the floor. I mean, it really felt like he tried to put the team on his back once again and – he can only do so much. I think when they get Bogdanovich back next year, that'll help a little bit. But overall, I never bought into the Jazz at all this season. I think their season ended the way it should have. I got you. I agree. Um, Joe, I feel like, like you said, Joe Ingles uh, let him down. Uh, he started the game two for two and went three from ten. Like, you hit the three for ten. Like, game seven, you can't that, – that can't happen. Like, you two for two and then you go three for ten. Granted, your, your shot wasn't falling, but, like, this is game seven, make or break. You're the second option. You know, Rudy, he's not – he's a rebounder. Joe, you're the second option, and you didn't come up. Um, and, you know, Donovan's averaging, what, almost 30 a game, if not more, um, and he only come up with 22. Like, you needed someone else. You needed Mike to be better. You needed all these support players to go to the next round. And I think fatigue got that team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you really had – Gary Harris being back helped them, like him coming back because he was a fresh leg – to play defense and then allowed Jamal and Jokic to kind of just play offense and, you know, and then you have Gary Garden, you know, just out there guarding. So Gary's going to be a big key in the uh, next series, I think. He's going to be my expert in the next series. Okay, I like that. Let's go ahead and roll over to next series. Got the Clippers versus the now the Nuggets. I'm not going to lie, I thought it was going to be the Jazz. 
Um, so you, who do you like in this series and why? Also, how many games do you think it's going to go? Um, I like the Clippers. Um, I don't want them to win, but I, you know, I can't be crazy out here. Um, I like the Clippers in five, uh, but with Gary Harris being the X factor, that may go six. Um, and by him being an X factor, meaning he has to put points on the board. Um, I need Gary to be a offensive, have an offensive mind going into the series. You play defense, that's great, but. Your two top players, Jokic and Jamal, are going to get guarded. That's that's not going to be a question. Uh, Morris is going to be an enforcer, and just uh, in the same way that you're going to either have Paul George or Kawhi checking Jamal in crunch times, if not the whole game. So with that, I need Gary to you know come alive and kind of get some points, and and of course stay with your defense. But he's gonna if he can give me 15 to 20 a night. Um, in that range, I think that game goes six, if not seven, um, with the Clippers winning the series. But the amount of games is going to depend on how uh, Gary Harris's productivity. Yeah, I actually think coming into this series here that, I mean, I, I personally think the Clippers are going to sweep them. I thought the Nuggets looked like they were out of energy. I mean, not to say they're going to get blown out in these games, but I just feel like the Clippers are going to be able to close them out down the stretch of these games. The Clippers have the bigger guards in, in uh, George and Leonard to frustrate Jamal Murray and make and get the ball out of his hands. I think Jokic has a good matchup inside, personally. But at the end of the day, you know, Jokic is going to have to put the team on his back and score like he did in that Game 7 to finish things off. I also think Beverly thrown in there, he can definitely put a little pressure, and you can help a lot with um, – with um, George and, and uh, Leonard on, on ball and help Murray and get the ball out of his hands a little bit, which is what I think they'll look to do. I personally am going to go with Pandemic P here as my X Factor. Look, he's got to be better in this series, man. Six for 19 in last game against Dallas. He did go 12 for 18 in game uh, five against them and stepped up a little bit at 35 points, but that's the Paul George we need to see a little bit more. I mean, Kawhi's the second leading scorer in the playoffs at 32.8 points per game. I mean, I think we're going to get that out of Kawhi pretty much every single night in this series. He's going to be able to get his. They really have no one to match up with him on the Nuggets. I mean, like you said, though, it's going to come down to Pandemic P and what he can do. He's going to have Gary Harris matched up on him, if I had to guess, because that's her freshest legs. So that's going to be a big-time matchup. But I think the Clippers, man, are just going to come keep coming down the court and hitting three-pointers. And I think that they're going to they're basically going to let Joker get his inside and say we're going to bomb threes on y'all. So that's personally the way I think this series is about to play out. I would be shocked, honestly, if the Clippers dropped a game in this series. I agree. Um, to your point, um, I agree to your point that it could be a sweep because they did look gassed. And I wouldn't be surprised if they swept him. Um, I think playoffs is just – I think Denver is no quit. Like, they'll get one at least. Um, I like them to get one. Um, and that's why I said if Gary can give them a spurt, um, you know, it may go six just to steal, you know, game two. So, I mean, hey, they Clippers dropped what two games without uh, without the Porzingis. So, you know, they can be beat. You know, mm-hmm. so if like you said, pan, pandemic T, you don't show up, it's, it's in trouble. They they can really get in trouble. So, uh, it's, it's it's really going. It's a toss up in regards to if Denver can get one, it can get scary. If Denver wins one, it might get scary. 
I don't know. I don't tell me if this analysis sounds a little stupid. I want to hear if you kind of agree with it. Do you feel like the Clippers like it's like they just kind of fool around until they have to get a cinch of urgency? Like I felt like in that series against Dallas, it was like whenever Dallas gave them a real sense of urgency, all of a sudden they would show up and play. But it was like when there was no sense of urgency, it was kind of like they were just fooling around and they really just were just kind of you know doing whatever, going through the motions. Then all of a sudden, next thing you know, Dallas is up by 15 points and they can't come back from it then if you in the next game they'll blow Dallas out then it's kind of like oh we're fine we're not worried about it and the next thing you know Luca hits that buzzer beater against him and the series is 2-2 right yeah I, I agree I think it's their demeanor they I don't think they've always had a sense of urgency I think they just always played hard um I don't think that team has ever had a sense of like Urgency, and I don't think, and this could be my take, and it can be dumb. I don't think Doc's teams have ever had a sense of urgency. They played defense, and they made you make mistakes. Um, and I think down the stretch that that's what happened with the Mavs is that they played defense, and then you turn the ball over, and all it takes is a couple of shots, and then that's what what kind of happens. Do I think that they're going to come with a sense of urgency if they play likes of the Lakers or anything like that? Yes, because they can be beat, but with a team that you're better than on paper and you're supposed to be, I think that they just kind of pressured Luka. Once it got to, like, game four, you saw the the harder fouls. You saw the, you know, the intensity. It's just like, okay, we'll just rough you up a little bit. You make some mistakes. We'll capitalize on them. We have Kawhi, and we're good. And I think that that's, that's kind of how it's been, just like when they had uh, the Celtics, you know. KG, the enforcer, kind of talk trash to you, get you out your game, make a couple of mistakes, and now Ray Allen's hitting three. And, you know, now he's going to hit two threes, and now they're up nine. Now you're in trouble, you know, and you're in the garden, and it's loud. So I think that that's – I think it's just Doc's motto is to make you make mistakes, make you beat yourself, play solid defense, make you beat yourself, and then we'll let the rest carry itself. And it kind of works with that team. That's why they're so scary is because you can rely on their defense. Their offense may not always be there from every player, but their defense – it's pretty much there. All those wins, I don't think they ever got blew out in none of those losses that they had. It was just a buzzer either at the end, uh, you know, a one by maybe five points, you know. So it was like, all right, like we just turned it on too late. And like you said, they, they do come a little relaxed, but, you know, they'll, they'll be all right. I don't think that that's anything to worry about because they'll turn it on when they need to. Uh, but, you know, especially when Porzingis went down, okay, we'll focus on Luka. Nobody else on the team is really going to beat it. Y'all got one game from y'all bench. You didn't see, you didn't hear about their bench anymore the rest of that series after that one game when uh, Seth and, and all those guys went off. And it was like, okay, after that, now you're just depending on Luca. So, and Luca hits the buzzer beater and, and it goes from there. So I think they'll be fine. Um, I don't think that's a bad take. They do kind of play a little lax, but I think they just rely on their defense a lot. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. I feel like we both are kind of on the same page. I feel against the Lakers, they know they can't fool around at all. I feel like they oh, yeah. uh, they got it. They got to go hard in that series. Um, last thing I'm going to say before we get out of this, I actually think the best thing that could happen to the Nuggets in this series is getting blown out in game one. That way, you know, they don't play their starters a ton of minutes. So they kind of get everybody some rest, get the bench in there for a little bit extra minutes, and then give them all they got in game two. Because, I mean, realistically, once you go down 2-0, yes, you can come back, but it's a lot harder. So, I feel like, honestly, if I'm the Nuggets, if you're getting blown out, I would get the starters out of there early and go ahead and rest up to get ready for Game 3. and I Or Game 2, I mean. I think that Game 2 is where you're going to see the Nuggets give them everything they have. Um, on on Tuesday night, or Monday night, we watched the Bucks go down 
Well, one game to none to the Heat. They're currently playing each other right now. Uh, do you think the Bucks are in trouble in the series, and will the Heat send them home early? They're not in trouble, but there is some concern. Uh, I don't think in that game one, they didn't make Giannis a focal point. Uh, I felt like they had shots going from somewhere else, and they just didn't go back to Giannis. And cool, you know, you don't want to mess up any rhythm, but at the same time, this is the defensive player of the year and potential MVP. Um, only having 14 shots, it's not going to win you games in the playoffs um, with the Miami Heat team as such. So I don't think there's, they're in trouble, but it was concerning because this is your go-to. Regardless, you you want your offense to be ran through Giannis. So um, I think they'll get back on track. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they win or lose this game because Miami has potential. I picked Miami to win in six. So I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they blow a game and so they're down 0-2, but I don't see it hard for them to come back either. Like they could win two in a row as well. Giannis has to be an enforcer. Um, and be the most dominant person since Shaq, basically. Um, and I think that that's capable. No one can stop them in the open court. They have to push the break. Um, they'll be fine. There's no trouble, but there is some concerns there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely I, – I think the Bucks are in trouble personally. It's because of their atrocious three-point defense. The Heat absolutely bombed threes against them, and that's been their weakness all season is giving up that three ball. It seems like the Heat have figured out a way to stretch them out and hit the three-point ball. That way, look, Giannis has got to shoot the ball 20-plus times. I mean, that's the only way to look at it. I mean, if you're if I'm Giannis, I want at least 20, 20 shots or I'm going to be pissed at the team for not giving me the ball enough. I mean, he had the ball plenty of times. It felt like, honestly, that he played way too timid and tried to feel things out. I know it is a game one, and Budenholzer's historically bad in game ones, but, I mean, if you lose this game and you find yourself down 0-2, that's when the water starts to get, you know, real deep. That's when it comes from your ankles up to your waist, you know, and that's when you're in – a lot of trouble and you know I really feel like Giannis has got to take over if he wants to be that guy if he's the two-time MVP that he's probably going to end up getting the award defensive player of the year I mean if he's that guy he's got to step up and hit shots like that I mean I'm not saying he's got to shoot threes and everything but I mean he's got to go down the court and look for his shot all the time you got to be throwing it into him every single time and if he doesn't want it he's throwing it back out to a shooter for three I also think though that his teammates have to help him. Chris Middleton's kind of disappeared in the playoffs. Obviously, Bledsoe didn't play last game, which hurt. Um, Brooke Lopez really stepped up for him, but you're going to need more than Giannis and Brooke Lopez to win this series. You're going to need three or four players who can step up and contribute, and that's where it worries me for the Bucks because, I mean, Middleton really hasn't looked the same the entire bubble. No, at all. I agree. Um, they got Bledsoe back this game, so that could change a little bit with their offensive dynamic um, and kind of not make it Middleton. Like, if they're – making a wall for Giannis, you know, Middleton may have felt a little bit of, you know, pressure, like, well, I have to knock down these shots or I have to make this. So I think with Bledsoe back, it might take a little pressure off that, you know, I have somebody else that can score as well. So I, I like it that way. I do have a question and a take for you to go into maybe next week's episode or, or next episode. But if Miami wins the series and let's just say they win in five, do you have them winning the East? No, I still can't take Miami to win the East. I think that I personally think the winner of Boston or Toronto will beat Milwaukee or Miami. I've been, I th honestly thought Toronto was going to win the series and beat Miami. Um, kind of leads into our next question a little bit in a way. I personally think Toronto can still pull this series out. I mean, they did go down 0-2 to the Bucks last year, but I just think Toronto, I mean, when they played the Heat in the bubble, they turned the ball over 21 times and they still beat them. I don't 
think the Heat played the Celtics in the bubble, but I just feel like Brad Stevens and the way the Celtics play, they can match up very well with the Heat and everything. I mean, I think the Heat can definitely win some games, but I don't think they can end up winning the East. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I like if they beat Giannis, I like them to win in the Eastern Conference in seven. I like them to win in seven in the Eastern okay. Conference Finals. Um, I definitely think that the Raptors are done. They're going to get swept. Um, wow. I think it's showing that Kawhi was a big part of their um, championship run. Not to say that those players aren't good, but Kyle Lowry's not an offensive threat. Pascal was coming into his own last year, and Kawhi was your go-to scorer. So if Kawhi, you focus on Kawhi, Pascal seems great. Now the role is focus on Pascal and let whoever else beat us. Um, and that's like uh, it's, it's just not looking good. And they're not getting their uh, good play from uh, I think Powell. They're not getting good play from him. Uh, Kyle, he's coming off of injury from the series before. Uh, it's just not a good look for him in. Siakam isn't a prolific scorer. He can get a bucket. He can get you 30. But consistently in the playoffs, no. And I think that that's what's showing right now is that they, they, they're going to go down because it's just not it's not there. It's not for them. Um, I think they're getting swept, though. I do believe they'll get swept. If they, if they might win one and it goes to five, but I don't see it going past five. See, I think they're going to be able to even the series up. I mean, game one, they played bad, man. It just kind of got out of control quick. You know, that can happen to you sometimes game two. Realistically, when you look at last night, Ananobi was 7 for 12. Other than that, 6 for 16 for Siakam, 5 for 15 for Lowry, 8 for 22 for Van Vliet. I mean, Ibaka was great again, 7 of 12. But like you said, you know, Powell's been a non-factor, 1 for 5 in 13 minutes. I mean, it, he basically shouldn't even have played, in my opinion. But I really don't think that Van Vliet – and see and see spicy p siakam can shoot that bad again lowry you know might be a little banged up he was over seven from three i feel like he can make one or two if i look at the, the way i look at this if i'm toronto is you had your worst possible performance and you were in the game up until the last shot i think though toronto like you said you know they really need one player who can create their own shot and go in there and get their own shot i think van vliet's gonna have to step up and play though the way he has the entire bubble in order to give them a chance I mean, the Raptors are definitely in trouble, but at the same time, I think they still are going to, I think they're going to win game three, and I think they're going to have a chance to even this series up and possibly even pull it out. Okay. So what if they go down 0-3? You still think they're going to come back? No, no, no. If they, if they, <laughs> they, let's put it this way. It's a must win tomorrow. Like, they're going to leave everything exactly. they got on the court tomorrow. If they lose tomorrow, they're already going to have their bags packed. They'll go out there and get swept against, and it's going to be over. I think all these teams in the bubble, once you go down 0-3 or you go down 3-1 to teams like the Lakers and Clippers, you know, even the even the, the Bucks or the Celtics. So once you go down 3-1, I think you're going to watch almost every single team pack their bags and get ready to go on and get out of there. You know, I mean, yep. I, I, I would not be shocked at all. They'll already have the vacation plan. They'll already have the flight books. You know, they already got <laughs> the bags both. packed. I agree, man. Yeah, I, I think that that must win. Jalen hasn't had a breakout game yet, and I think game three is going to be his breakout where he goes for that 30-35, and they won't have an answer. And and that's when I'm really – they're going to go down 0-3. Cool, you might win game four, but then they're going to come back, make adjustments, and then they win in five. And I think that's what's going to happen is if they don't get swept, it'll be the Celtics in five. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's starting to get to that point, I think, for Toronto. So – We'll see what they can do tomorrow. They're gonna have to leave it all out on the court. I mean, I'm. I think they'll win tomorrow. Do I think that uh, right now? I'd say my confidence in them winning the series is still fifty fifty. So, 
it's going to be a good one. I mean, they really haven't had an answer for Tatum, though. Tatum took over last game. I believe he dropped, exactly. he dropped 30, uh, 31. Yeah, 34 points, 8 for 17, shooting 4 for 17. But he was 14 for 14 from the free throw line. We even heard Nick Nurse complain a little bit about how that he shot almost more free throws than their entire team. The Raptors shot 19 total free throws as their team. Um, last question I kind of got for you before we get out of here is, do you think that Jason Tatum is taking his game to the next level? Yes. Um, yeah, I think he's, I think he took his game to the next level after the, uh, series, um, against Cleveland, um, when they lost in seven, I think since then he's been elevating consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't that next year, he didn't play as well to be an all-star, um, because he kind of, there was a lot going on that year, the whole Kyrie stuff. Um, it was, it was a lot going on, but I think since that, coming out party in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, like, yeah, he, he's there. Um, and it's a lot of similarity, of course, in Kobe's game in him and just an all-around score. Uh, he can create a shot, and that's what the scary part is. He can punch on you, as LeBron was witnessing. He can punch on you, he can get a bucket, he can get a bucket and he can guard you. Not saying he's the best defender in the league, but he, he's has length. Uh, so I think definitely he's coming into his own man, for sure, perennial all-star. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I really think it was back in February when he led the NBA in points per game for that month that he really just kind of came into his own. It's like he put all the pieces together. I mean, we see him stuff in the stat sheet too, eight rebounds, six assists. So he's doing everything, and he's that driving force for the Celtics right now. So, you know, looking ahead now to this this next series, it's really going to come down to what he can do for him. So we'll see what he ends up doing to him. Anything else you got to say, Keandre, before we get up out of here? Uh, no, nah, man, it was good talking to you, man. Good takes, man. I hope uh, the Broncos finish out number one in the West. I need my boy to get another ring, man, and we're going to be good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, no problem, bro. We all appreciate it. always appreciate you coming on. I promise next time I get you on, we'll talk about the Lakers. I know you wanted to talk about them, but I'm kind of waiting to see what happens in this game seven before we bring the Lakers back in on everything. So trust me, we'll get you back in here soon. But I appreciate you, bro. You stay safe out there. I appreciate it, bro.